and speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and he shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Zechariah 6, 12, and 13. Shalom, greetings, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today we are resuming our study in the book of Isaiah, and we're looking at chapter 11 and 12, but it's not very many verses. Chapter 11 deals with the righteous reign of the branch, so it's like a prophetic utterance, I believe, about the millennial time, this time of, of peace. Uh, that we all long for. And then chapter 12 is six short verses. It's a hymn, it's a song of praise about the situation. Here the our Messiah is referred to as the branch. And I just read you out of Zechariah 6.12 to start to show. And speak unto him, saying, Zechariah 6.12, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It's not uncommon for Messiah to be referred to as a branch or a root. Um, if you go to Revelation 5, 5, it says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And in Revelation twenty two sixteen, Jesus speaking says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and a bright and morning star. And even further on in the book of Isaiah, if you go to Isaiah 53, 2, he says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. Dry ground I'm sorry. He hath no more form nor comeliness, and when he shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. Again, it's a prophecy about him. These are words that we definitely want to see come to pass. And the world is starting to, I would say, begin to become ripe for longing for Messiah. He tells Jerusalem before he dies, you will not see me again. Until you say, Baruch Ababa Shem Yavah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
I think things are going to continue to obviously become more and more insane. And as a result, the people of the world, God's people, are going to long more and more and more for the return of Messiah to the point where we're crying out for it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's read chapter 11. It's very, very short. And then we'll wrap it up with this little six-verse hymn from chapter 12, which is really a worship uh, a hymn of, or a song or a psalm of worship about the kingdom. There's many famous verses here in chapter 11 that you've heard over and over growing up. And even if you didn't grow up in the faith, you've heard it. Let's begin. Open up your hearts. Chapter 11, verse 1, King James Bible. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So please note, he's... When he is, when this kingdom is set up, he's not ruling based on, you know, senses and emotion. Rather, true justice will go forth. It's it, true justice based on true righteousness will go forth. Contrary to anything we've ever seen in this world, because... In fact, justice never goes forth, rarely goes forth. It's always tainted by something, isn't it? Chapter 6, very, very famous verse here about the quality of life in the kingdom, about the peace, even with creation, not just with men. Verse 6, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, and shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of an asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. 
They shall not hurt nor destroy in all of my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So as you can see, there'll just be, there'll be no bloodshed because of the animals. A little child will play around with a snake, you know, and it, it won't be dangerous. The lion will eat straw like an ox. It's this picture of complete and utter peace with humanity and creation. And here's the most beautiful part of it all. The whole earth, everywhere, will be full of the knowledge of Jehovah. As the waters cover the sea. Verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble out of cast of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So what we're reading here is about all of Israel being brought back out of the nations. In fact, let me just read you this little bit of commentary from F.B. Meyer. He says, The prophet's vision extends. He has seen the effect of redemption as it emanates from Jesus Christ upon the whole physical creation. Now he beholds also the ingathering of all Israel. The ancient enmity between Ephraim and Judah will pass away. As Paul puts it afterwards, all of Israel shall be saved. Romans 11.25-26 As they were brought out of Egypt, so shall they be brought from all the countries of the world where they have dwelt during these Christian centuries. The return of the Jews under Ezra included those of one tribe only and cannot fulfill the great dreams of all the prophets as here of Isaiah. The following chapter is a counterpart of Exodus 15, 1-27, which we'll read here in a second. When their enemies are overwhelmed in the great battle of Armageddon, the ransomed host of Israel shall break forth in this anthem. So quickly, please note, something that F.B. Meyer is pointing out in this commentary here is that some would say this whole gathering of all of Israel back is just was fulfilled uh, during the time of Ezra or Nehemiah. And F.B. Meyer's argument is, no, that can't be the fulfillment because under Ezra, there was only one tribe. 
So this cannot fulfill the great dreams of all the prophets. Rather, what Isaiah is describing is all of Israel and really the Gentiles. So let's just look at it again. The the envy or here and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people. This is verse eleven. Which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elon and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Continuing on verse 13, the envy also of Ephraim shall depart and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off and Ephraim shall not envy Judah and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. Many see that as like, uh, many see Ephraim um, kind of like the Gentiles or even even the Christians, the Gentile Christians and how, and what Isaiah is prophesying here is that there's no longer going to be any animosity or envy or any of that th- between the two. We're all going to be united under Messiah. Verse 14, But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west, and they shall spoil them of the east together. And they shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab, and the children of Ammon shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. And with his mighty wind he shall shake his hand over the river, and shall smite it and the seven streams, and make men go over dry shod. And there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. So that is Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to read chapter 12, which is the six verses of this song. And then, as F.B. Meyer in his commentary points out, it's a counterpart to Exodus 15. So we're going to read that real quickly, too. I won't do any commentary. I'll just read it to you. Here's the worship of the kingdom, chapter 12. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thy anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall he draw water out of the wells of salvation, and in that day shall say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Something that's interesting 
is this is one of like, I think five or six places where the King James Bible actually says God's name and in, in, in print instead of just the Lord. This is one of those places you probably heard it. Verse two says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord. Yehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. The J sound used to make a yeah sound, by the way. Now, why they chose to put it in this verse and not like the 5,000 other times, I'm not sure, but it's just interesting that this is one of the verses where they wanted it to be clear what they thought God's name was. So the like 50 scholars uh, that, that worked on this project... This is what they thought God's name was and how it was pronounced. Yehovah. I don't know about you, but I've definitely, as we wrap it up here, I feel the heaviness, right? The weight. I'm ready for Messiah to be here and for all of these things to finally be fulfilled where he's ruling and reigning and there's peace and there's actual righteousness and the whole world is filled with the knowledge and the praise of God. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's end by reading that uh, song out of Exodus. Exodus chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 27. And then we'll end with that. And that'll be the end of my commentary. And uh, the end of our study for this morning. Let's have a look. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And he spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. Jehovah is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he hath cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thy excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise and doing wonders? 
Thou stretchest out thy right hand, and the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed, and hast guided them in thy strength unto a holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of the inhabitants of Palinsnia. The dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them, and the inhabitants of the Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thy arm. They shall be still as stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance and in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen to the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances, and Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the water of Marah because they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which he had cast into the waters. The waters were made sweet. There he made them for a statute and for an ordinance. And there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, with the twelve wells of water, and three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. My friends, this is the end of our study for this morning. I pray you've been blessed. I pray these words have gone forth and pierced hearts and have caused you to draw closer to God. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Maranatha, peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time. God bless.